Hello everyone, Nicholas here. It is a gloomy Sunday afternoon, well, early evening in Stockholm, Sweden. It's been raining throughout the day, but it's been calm. I've been doing a lot of renovations and stuff, and that's been quite satisfying. I've also been reading Mailman, a book by uh, Adrian Addison. It's about the Daily Mail, the uh, English tabloid, and simultaneously I have been just browsing through the first pages of a book called Chronicles of Descent, which is an interview book by uh, by David Balsamian, who's been doing interviews with Noam Chomsky for quite some time. That book came out in 1992, and it's it's scary to see how relevant things are from that book, I mean still. And speaking of which, um, in that Daily Mail book called Mailman, um, there are a lot of things that really intensify how little a difference there is between then and today. I mean in the 1910s the Daily Mail had a really capitalist uh, leadership which is actually fascistic by definition. I mean, capitalism implores that leadership must come from above and trickle down, etc. So, yeah, that's fascist or fascistic. Um, and they were printing lies despite knowing that they were printing lies. I mean, they were actually, of course, they were trying, they were telling people they were printing the truth, but they were not. They really knew what they were printing, and that was the lies. Uh, an example of this is called the Zinovia letter, which uh, indicated that Labour collaborated, the Labour Party that is, in the in the UK. It's They have the, the dreary two-party system as well, where you have Labour as opposed to um, the Conservatories. Um, and anyway, the Daily Mail indicated that Labour collaborated with the Bolsheviks, and they knew this was a forgery even uh, via MI6, the so the kind of NSA branch of um, in the UK, uh, but it didn't really matter. Um, I mean, the Daily Mail also have total autocracy and rule of money. I mean, that that's everything that's that's instrumental to them, mm. and this also spills out into Sweden, of course, and well, all countries of the world. But as I live in Sweden, I like to pull some anecdotes of how we're living because Swedes actually think that we're kind of saved from all of these kinds of disgraces. That the, the stuff that's happening in the U.S. is about Trump is in the U.S., but it's it's really happening in our doorsteps. So talking about the media in Sweden, uh, we have a free newspaper that was founded in Sweden called Metro. I know that it's been. Um, released internationally. It's in the United States, in some states, it's in the UK and so forth. A lot of countries have it. In 2017, Metro in Sweden was uh, purchased by a new owner. His name is Mats Kviberg. Uh, this person proudly announced to media that he didn't even know the name of a single journalist who, who uh, worked for uh, his magazine. Um, and I mean, it's it's something that to me, capitalism is all about not caring, just making money. But it also means that he was quite honest, which is not that common where it comes to capitalists. Um, he wanted, I mean, despite being close-minded about it, he, he told the truth. And uh, 
it's I mean that is true and he he has said that he will let his own ideas dictate what is being printed in the, in that paper so I mean printed without any editor interference it's just a personal blog of his really and the kicker is that he said he was up for an open for collaborating with a xenophobic extreme right-wing blog in Sweden so I mean there's that and after that a few journalists actually um, turn the notice in but all that he he the owner Mats Kviberg like an unruly child that just displayed that capitalism doesn't waver or budge to common decency he told media that he simply would give away his share of metro of that magazine rather than actually doing something decent about it so there you go that's a bit of uh, the media Another interesting bit about all this um, from the Daily Mail, I mean, in 1926, uh, the then-owner uh, called Bunny, a.k.a. Harold Harmsworth, a.k.a. the first Viscount Rothmere, started uh, to call the US, the USA Uncle Shylock, uh, which, you know, is the uh, Shakespeare's money-lending character from The Merchant of Venice. Uh, because of the war debt that England owed the US. Uh, so how was that Uncle Shylock depicted? As a sinister Jewish stereotype wielding a huge knife to slice away uh, his pound of flesh through usury, you know, by, by lending money at an unreasonably high um, amount where it came to interest. I mean, and that's from the 20th of July 1926 so they just kept doing that and uh, depicted Jews that way um, on reading the uh, the Chomsky Balsamian book that I was talking about the Chronicles of Descent there's a bit where Balsamian talks about the US United States ambassador to, uh, to Costa Rica being quoted in the New York Times as saying that um, um, let's see he likens Nicaragua to Nazi Germany and makes a final statement which was Nicaragua has just become like an infested, infected piece of meat attracting these insects from all over, the insects being Libyans, Basque separatists, Cubans, the PLO, etc. To which Chomsky, Noam Chomsky, said, All this is very reminiscent of Nazi Germany. The ambassador's remarks are very typical of those produced by the Nazi diplomats at the same point, even in their style, talk about insects and so on. Of course, what he describes is so remote from reality that it's superfluous even to discuss it. The idea of a leftist network in Washington is hilarious. And he actually goes on to, to point out things that, I mean, it's the critics who make the fundamental contributions to this. They are the ones who foreclose elementary truth, elementary analysis, independent thoughts by pretending and being regarded as adopting a critical position, whereas in fact they are subordinated to the fundamental principles of the propaganda system. In my view, that's a lot more important than the really lunatic comments that you just quoted," said Chomsky again to Balsamian. Um, and, and it is really interesting because, I mean, that's from the 90s, of course, when, when this book was printed, but 
Another interesting thing is that this has been recurring throughout history. I mean, remembering Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union with the real propaganda systems. I mean, they had commissars, but we can just as well use the word commissar these days for institutions that, for, in, for example, are the printed media that Rupert Murdoch wields or the Daily Mail or the Swedish magazines like Aftonbladet or Expressen, which are basically tabloids in evening print form. Um, and I mean, we have no problem at all in dissociating lies from truth and recognizing, you know, distortions and perversions that are used to protect the institutions from the truth, usually. But there's no reason why we couldn't take this stance ourselves, uh, despite the fact that we have to recognize that we're inundated with this constantly day after day. Um, and I mean, Chomsky also says, if the schools were doing their job, which of course they aren't, but they could be, they would be providing people with means of intellectual self-defense. They would be devoting themselves with great energy and application to precisely the kinds of things we're talking about so that people growing up in a democratic society would have the means of intellectual self-defense against the system. Today, individuals have somehow to undertake these tasks themselves. I don't think that's very, really very hard. Once one perceives what is happening, they have to take the first step of adopting a stance that is simply one for critical intelligence toward everything you read in this morning's newspaper or tomorrow's newspaper or whatever and discuss, discover the assumptions that underlie it. Then analyze those assumptions and restate the account of the facts in terms that are really true to the facts, not simply reflections of the distorting prism of the propaganda system. Once one does that, I think the world becomes rather clear. Then one can become a free individual, not merely a slave of some system of indoctrination and control. One important thing to remember, I always think, is that even if we read these kind of things that seem very dour and negative and people get the feeling easily that they cannot do anything to suffocate all this, even if you have a clear image of these gigantic institutions such as Rupert Murdoch's media empire, Silvio Berlusconi's media empire and so forth, um, and you feel you can't do anything, just remember what people have done from a simple grassroots level in the US, the civil movement, in the UK, uh, movements who have gone against uh, fascism, uh, anti-Muslim stuff, um, and they've succeeded. I recently heard an interview with uh, a great speaker who's named Vandana Shiva, um, who spoke about how the Pepsi Corporation are currently mining 5 million litres of water. Uh, this will basically empty the ground level waters from wherever they're taking it from. Um, and that's 5 million litres of water. And it takes, it, they use approximately 10 litres of water to produce 1 litre of uh, Pepsi Cola. I mean, it's Coca Cola, it's whatever, but I mean, this was tried in the Kerala province of India about a lot of years ago. But what happened there was that was about 1.5 milliliters of water. And I don't, don't think that was Pepsi, it was Coca-Cola probably. So I mean, what, whatever the difference. Um, it resulted in the waters being emptied so much that people who lived provincially 
in India had to walk miles and miles every day to get fresh usable water and um, also Coca-Cola tried to bribe the councils in uh, these different provinces to gain uh, money, to gain land, to have everything written over to them but there was a council of women just consisting 100% of women who actually managed to get such a foothold throughout the entire country of India that a complete dislike against Coca-Cola was completely founded because people found out the truth and once they did they did not stop hating what was hurting them so incessantly so that was the beginning for the end actually but now we're here back again I mean the coca-cola and pepsis of the world are just coming back so it's history repeating we can see this and even the um, the prejudice in the propaganda system that is basically going on again today in these extreme right-wing blogs that are attacking Muslims uh, newspapers in countries like Egypt and the US who are basically reusing uh, stereotypical racist uh, images of Jews that are picked from the Nazis. I'm not joking, it's from the Nazis and they're using them today. So we really need to keep an eye out for all that, of course, but and maintaining a critical thought. I mean, it's essential in every step of the way. Naturally it is, but we just have to keep our eyes open to that and I don't... I hope I don't sound like like I'm preaching too much but this is more like a diary to myself really just trying to maintain a level thought uh, so that's it hope everybody's Sundays has been excellent